Our Bible reading today comes from 2 Samuel, chapter 3, verse 20 to 39. In the church Bible, it's on page 256. 2 Samuel, chapter 3, verse 29 to the end. Let's read. When Abner came with 20 men to David at Hebron, David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. And Abner said to David, I will arise and go and will gather all Israel to my lord the king, that they may make a covenant with you, and that you may reign over all, your, all that your heart desires. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. Just then, the servants of David arrived with Joab from a raid, bringing much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David at Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the army that was with him came, it was told Joab, Abner the son of Nar came to the king, and he has let him go, and he has gone in peace. Then Joab went to the king and said, What have you done? Behold, Abner came to you. Why is it that you have sent him away so that he has gone? You know that Abner, the son of Ner, came to deceive you and to know you're going out and you're coming in and to know all that you are doing. When Joab came out from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner, and they brought him back from the cistern of Sirah. But David did not know about it. And when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into the midst of the gate to speak with him privately. And there he struck him in the stomach so that he died for the blood of Asahel, his brother. Afterwards, when David heard of it, he said, I and my kingdom are forever guiltless before the Lord for the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. May it befall upon the head of Joab and upon all, the fa all his father's house. And may the house of Joab never be without one who has a discharge or who is leprous or who holds a spindle or who falls by the sword, or lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner, because he had put their brother Asahel to death in the battle at Gibeon. Then David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, Tear your clothes and put on sackcloth and moan before Abner. And the king followed the bier. They buried Abner at Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. And the king lamented for Abner, saying, Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound, your feet were not fettered. As one falls before the wicked, you have fallen. And all the people wept again with him. 
Then all the people came to persuade David to eat bread while it was yet day. But David swore, saying, God so do so to me and more also if I taste bread or anything till the sun goes down. And all the people took notice of it and it pleased them as everything that the king did pleased all the people. So all the people and all Israel understood that day that it had not been the king's will to put to death Abner, the son of Ner. And the king said to his servants, Do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? And I was gentle today, though anointed king. These men, the sons of Zeruiah, are more severe than I. The Lord repay the evildoer according to his wickedness. There ends our reading. Please keep your Bibles open. Thanks, George, very much. I think, uh, uh, yep, there goes Hannah with uh, the young people, and you're left with the oldie. Uh, so, uh, better to look at the Bible than to look at me, and we're in 2 Samuel and chapter 3, and we are going to go back to verse 20. But as we start, let me ask you a question. Have you heard the one about the Christian who gave Jesus a bad name? Except it's not funny. It's not a joke because church people do exactly that. Uh, they uh, are scathing, people who struggle with uh, temptation in uh, sexual uh, areas of all kinds. Uh, uh, church people can be racist. Church people can be amazingly unkind. Uh, church people can be hypocritical, uh, saying one thing, uh, doing something else. A lady on the door told us this afternoon uh, about uh, someone who went uh, religiously to confession and did the same thing two minutes after walking out. And the list of Christians, church people behaving badly is a long one. It's one of the reasons why I don't have a fish sticker on the back of my car. I like driving well. Often I do drive well. But sometimes when I'm in a rush, I don't want to give fishes a bad name. <laughs> and uh, so I don't have one on the back of my car. And uh, that's the trouble. Christians can give Jesus a really bad name. In fact, sadly, I think it's often the one thing we really are good at. And it is reassuring to pick up the Bible and to hear it honestly record that believers have been doing that for a very long time. And this part of the Bible is the story of someone who served God's king, but who was not like God's king. And like all continuing stories, uh, there's a previously in Samuel bit to it that we need to know. And the previously in Samuel is that God had uh, promised that uh, David would be king over his people. And right from the start, there were people who wanted to stop that happening. So, for example, Saul at that time, who was the king, tried to kill David. 
to stop him being king. And Saul's general at that time, the commander of his army, was a man called Abner. Now, Saul died in a battle. Abner takes over, and he takes over the job of stopping David being the king. Now, David has his own army. He has his own general in charge of it. His name happens to be Joab. And so there's a clash between these two men, and in that clash... Joab's brother decides he's going to take out the top man. He's going to end Abner. And Abner, being a brilliant soldier and a brilliant general, realizes that if Abner's, uh, Joab's brother comes against him, his name is Asahel, he knows if Asahel picks a fight, Asahel will lose. And he's also wise enough to know that if he does anything to Asahel, he will be in Joab's bad books. And so therefore he advises Asahel, don't come close. But Asahel refuses, ignores the warning, and it all ends in tears. Abner kills Asahel, actually in self-defense, but because he was attacked. And as a result, Joab now has a grudge against Abner. That's all we need to know, I think, of the story so far. But it is worth stressing that we're not just looking at a random story about kings and clashes. Because David is God's king of the Old Testament, who is there to show us what the God's king of the New Testament is like. So he is there in the Bible as the Messiah of the Old Testament to show us what the New Testament Messiah will be like. So it is very surprising to all of us that he should send Abner in peace, the one who was hostile against him all those years. But then Jesus is one who sends his enemies away in peace when they change sides with him. So he's there to help us to understand what uh, Jesus is like. And Joab is the one who shows us what Jesus is not like. He is not like his king. In fact, if you look at the last verse of 2 Samuel chapter 3, you will see the difference between the two men, uh, according to David. Uh, if you look at the last verse, verse 39... How does David describe himself? What's the one word? Gentle. How does he describe Joab in one word? Uh, severe. Yeah? So let's look at those two in turns. First, let's look at the severe servant, and then we look at the gentle king. Okay? We start with the severe servant. Now, Joab can't get his head around the fact that uh, David has sent Abner home in peace. Can't get his head around what uh, David has done. What a stupid thing to do, he says. Abner's been your enemy all these years. Do you think a leopard's going to change his spots? Can't you see this is just a trap? He's come to see you coming in and going out? Verse 25. So it seems on the face of it that 
Joab's a bit concerned about David putting himself at a risk, taking a risk with Abner. Seems like he's concerned for David. But as you read on, you see there might be a few other things on Abner's mind that uh, maybe his motives aren't so great. Let's uh, see first that uh, there would have been, of course, the fact that Joab was insecure. On the face of it, you see, David now has two generals serving him, Abner and Joab. And Abner's been the one who's in charge of the bigger army. So where is that going to leave Joab when David has his military reshuffle? What rank will he retain? But remember, when we're looking at Joab, we're not just simply looking at a bad guy who got it wrong. We're looking at a mirror. This is how we get it wrong as well. And the difficulty with Joab is that he wasn't secure in the affections of his king. And therefore he had to get rid of the competition. And very often when uh, Christians are insecure in the affections of their king, and they have to put down the others. And that was true in the Old Testament, around the Old Testament Messiah. It was true in the New Testament with Jesus as well. So you remember, the Last Supper, the night before Jesus died, and the disciples are having a competition as to see who is the greatest. Because there's no security in uh, our king, and severity comes out towards others when that is the case. Another reason why he was severe is because actually he was unforgiving. If you look at the reason why he killed Abner, it's there in verse 27, it's revenge. And David, when he comments on it in verse 30, he sees through it. He says the same thing. It is uh, because he put their brother Asahel to death in the battle of Gibeon. Unforgiveness that stays in the system grows in the system and it always leads to severity in our character. The third point, Joab was hypocritical. He accuses Abner of deceiving David in verse 25 and that is the very thing that Joab himself does. I mean he's deceived Abner when he kills him but actually he's deceived David because he goes and he arranges to meet Abner without telling David he's doing it behind his back. He is the one who is deceiving David. He knows that David is at peace with Abner. We certainly know that to be true. Why? Because in verse 21 and in verse 22 and in verse 23, as if the point hasn't been made enough, he is sent away in peace. But there's no peace between Joab and Abner. So there's Joab, he <coughs> claims to be a servant to David but is not similar to David. And whenever 
God's people call themselves servants, but they don't have a passionate desire to be like their king, then let me tell you, severity will come and fill in the vacuum. And that's what the end will be like for us. And then lastly, Joab was cowardly. He won't resolve conflict, he just wants to remove it. So, there's a pretense of a conversation being offered between friends. Hey, Abner, can I have a quiet word? I think we ought to be talking about this job share a little bit more. So it seems like there's a desire for a friendship, <coughs> but that's just to mask the dagger that's going to end it and end the conflict that way. Now, we say that's cowardly, but actually the truth is we're more cowardly, aren't we? We prefer stabbing people behind their backs. We talk about rather than talk to people we might be in conflict with. And the words that we use usually are very severe. That's what happens when we're cowardly and we hurt people in that way. And this is not the way of God's king. And this is not what it's like in his kingdom. And David makes that point very clearly in verse 28, doesn't he? He says, afterwards when David heard of it, he said, I and my kingdom are forever guiltless before the Lord for the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. In fact, what Joab discovers to his cost is that the severity of God's servant brings on himself the severity of the king. And therefore David pronounces on Joab in verse 29 a family curse. Why? Because there's a family feud going on. And David will have nothing to do with it. And so therefore, if we're wise, we should be very severe on our own severity to avoid the risk of it bringing on ourselves the severity of God in the way we conduct ourselves with others. Well, enough of the severe servant. Let's go to the second point, which is the gentle king. <coughs> he gives uh, Abner a big state funeral. And interestingly, after all those years, Abner's hostility isn't mentioned once, but all his loyalty is. And Ab uh, Joab, uh, David says two very interesting things about Abner that's worth noticing. First, in verse 33, he says that he is not a fool. He should not have died as a fool dies. Now, why would David say such a thing? Because a fool in the Bible is someone who takes on God's king. And Abner had changed sides, so he was no longer a fool. Instead, actually, it's Joab that's made to look foolish, if you look at verse 31. Because he is forced to publicly respect the one that he killed. And it seems like the two men have swapped sides in the eyes of God's king. 
And it's Joab that is now the fool and paraded in front of the funeral like, like that. But as Abner is concerned, interesting to hear what David calls him now, he calls him a prince in verse 38. That's not to say that uh, Abner is royalty, because if you look at chapter 2, verse 8, the same word is translated commander. But I think actually it's a good translation uh, that calls him a prince in this later stage, because it's making the point that David now views this man as someone valuable in his kingdom ranks him as a prince and it's in this way that David is gentle it's not that he is weak and that he lacks authority look at the funeral David orders Joab to humble himself and Joab dare not disagree with him or do anything different now when we're told that David is gentle we're told how David is with those who have changed sides <coughs> with a man like Abner and heaven will be full of people who talk about the gentleness of God's king to those who've changed sides and lovely conversations in heaven if you go to the cafes and uh, the restaurants is that people will be talking about the gentleness of God's king even to those who have been hostile to him and that's uh, exactly what it's like with Jesus isn't it remember Jesus had uh, two brothers James and John the sons of Zebedee the sons of thunder they were called remember the time in Luke chapter 9 they were going through Samaritan villages on the way to Jerusalem and Jesus wanted to stay in those villages and they wouldn't let him because he was on his way to Jerusalem and they didn't approve of that because they didn't like Jerusalem. So they wouldn't let Jesus come and stay there. And James and John were furious and they wanted to call down a lightning strike from those villages. He said, call down fire from heaven, would you? Show them what uh, uh, you're made of. And uh, Jesus, it says in Luke 9, rebuked them. In fact, some of the translations uh, go on to add these words. You do not know the manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man came not to destroy people's lives, but to save them. See again the contrast. The gentle king and the severe servants. David helps us to understand Jesus. Well, what does that leave us? Well, I'm hoping that helps us. If we've been put off by severe Christians in the past, to see the difference between the servants and the king. Now, it's understandable if people looked at Joab's actions and drew some conclusions about the king that he served. But it's wiser not to see a connection but to see a contrast to see it's a massive mismatch and to see the severity of the servants to even highlight the brilliance of the gentleness of God's king that's why everyone 
everywhere has every reason to change sides. It is so that we can experience the gentleness of this king. And wouldn't it be amazing, wouldn't it be awesome one day to stand in front of this king and to have him say to us, this is no longer a fool. This is a prince in my kingdom. Wouldn't you want to experience him saying that to you? as you discover the great gentleness of this king forever. It's a wonderful reason to change sides and to become a Christian today. But there's also a warning here, isn't there, for those who say they're loyal to the king, I suppose like us uh, today, they'd go to church and do all those things, and yet how we can also be severe in our relationships I think a Joab alert should go off when that happens, when we catch ourselves being severe in that way. Because it's a serious thing. What this part of the Bible reveals to us really is that we might expect to see Abner in heaven, but we won't see Joab. Because sadly Joab, he's like this all the time. And it happens again and Joab strikes again in the same way. And in fact, right at the end of the story, uh, not the end of 1 Samuel, but at the beginning of 1 Kings, David orders the execution of Joab. He is not going to be part of his kingdom anymore. So it is a solemn thing for us to see how awful it is in the eyes of God's king to be severe when he is gentle and to take that warning seriously. But thirdly, what happens if you're someone who has experienced the king's kindness and you love it? What can we learn? Well, why don't we make every cry in our heart to be changed into people like him? Uh, The Apostle Paul made it a prayer. And uh, in Colossians chapter 1 verse 10, uh, the Apostle Paul prays, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. I know lots of words, but uh, just uh, uh, latch on to good works reflect a gentle king. That's how it should be. I suppose you could say, growing in understanding what the king is like, filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, when you understand what your king is like, That's what enables us to be like him. And wonderfully, there are many Christians in the world today who are full of good works and mirroring their gentle king. And I want to say it's a lovely thing. If we're Christians, that rather than exhibit behavior that is outside the kingdom, that is not acceptable in the kingdom, which is what Job did, 
to exhibit behavior that reflects the future kingdom. In other words, to live the way we live now, to relate the way we relate now, as if we live in heaven, as we practice heaven in our relationships with other people. That's a wonderful way to live as we go out into the world this week. Live with people as if you were dealing with them in heaven. And we will find that Colossians 1.10 comes true. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. That's heaven, isn't it? And that's what Paul is praying. We'll begin to be like now as we mirror and live out the gentleness of God's King. Well, what I'm going to suggest is that we pray, that that's how it will be with us, and then after that uh, we'll take questions. But before I pray, a prayer for all of us in that desire. Why don't I keep quiet and you talk to God quietly? No one else will hear. But from what God has said to you in the Bible this evening, you talk back to him and maybe confess, maybe ask for his help. Let's give a moment of quiet and each of us might use it to pray. Our Father in heaven, where sorry for our foolishness and we're sorry for our severity. Help us to change sides so we experience the gentleness of our King and live heavenly lives that are worthy of Him. And we ask this in His name. Amen.